Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're here in beautiful Manila, Philippines, which is definitely a beautiful country, but unfortunately, it doesn't have beautiful Wi-Fi. Uh, so I'm going to have some Wi-Fi hiccups on this show here today. Uh, so apologies in advance for that. Uh, there might be some audio uh, lag. Uh, but hey, life is a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect Wi-Fi. So let's roll with it. I, um, I've been traveling around the world with my wife and kids for the last year and a half. We just finished the South and Central American portion of our trip. And now we're focused here in Central America, uh, sorry, sorry, in Asia. Uh, and my wife's actually from the Philippines, so we're spending time with family here in beautiful Manila. And uh, make sure you check out our blog, social media, uh, YouTube channel for a lot more uh, posts uh, from our trip here uh, to uh, Latin America, now Asia and beyond. And while traveling, we love interviewing fellow world travelers, fellow digital nomads, and fellow internet marketers. And I have one on the show here today. Our guest today is joining us from the U.S. His name is Kyrie Oliver, and we're going to be finding out all about his business, about his travels, and much more. Uh, so, Kyrie, uh, welcome to the show. Where are you joining us from today, and how are you doing today? Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I am, um, I'm originally from Northern California, but I'm, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona for the past two years. Awesome. Uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better first? Uh, if you want to share a little bit more about yourself, uh, your business, and uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners and viewers here today. Yeah. So I've been, I've, um, I'm in kind of digital slash social media marketing. I've been doing it for a little bit over two years. I started in October of 2015. Um, grew up about 25, 30 miles east of San Francisco in the Bay Area, Northern California. Um, Single mom raised both my brother and I. We had the good fortune of actually both getting Division One scholarships to go play football in college. Um, thought we were going to be, you know, both high-level athletes and make it to the NFL, and that was just going to be our lives, athletics, and that's it. And it didn't go that way for either one of us. Uh, my brother ended up tearing uh, his labrum in both shoulders uh, two consecutive years, having two surgeries and had to be retired from the UCLA football program. Um, I ended up having my own interesting experience. Um, I, I don't need to go, I guess, way too far into it in this podcast just because we have a limited amount of time. But um, essentially I was started off as hazed, but then got to the point of physical abuse from my teammates in college, resulted in insane amounts of anxiety. I used to have panic attacks in class I just had this weird vision that somebody was like gonna come in the door. There was a door like on the side of my sociology class and I sat right in front of it. And I, I always had like this vision of somebody coming in and like choking me to death in class. And it, was, it had gotten just so bad that it had affected every single aspect of my life. Um, and actually got to the point where I had made a decision. Luckily I didn't follow through with it because I'm still here. Um, I was going to kill one of my teammates. And I, I had never been suicidal. I'd never turned to drugs or alcohol, but something had happened about eight months into my college career where it had gone on for so long. It had built up to this certain point where that felt like the only decision I was about, I was able to make. Luckily I didn't, ended up moving home. Um, and in probably about the first six months of moving home, I was incredibly depressed. I slept all day. I didn't really do anything. Um, I started working kind of at my friend's gym, but didn't really, I had lost all motivation. I didn't have football anymore because the experience had 
sort of made me fall out of love with the sport. So I didn't know, I didn't really feel like I had an identity. I realized I didn't like myself very much as I spent quite a bit of time alone with myself trying to figure out who I was and what exactly I didn't like and how to fix it and how to figure it out. And then once I started figuring that out, I realized I wanted to learn that about other people. I wanted to get other people's perspectives. What, what have they gone through? What have they struggled with? What have they triumphed over? And so I interviewed, I believe I've interviewed 800, 846 people from the ages of like 19 to 22 mostly. I still do it every once in a while now, but over 800 people just getting the perspectives on love, success, life, wealth, what they're afraid of, what keeps them up at night, what impact they want to have on the world. And I, I got into marketing just for that same friend whose gym I worked at. Um, he had hired another marketing company and they, they sucked. They were terrible. They were actually um, working with a kind of like a click bank out of Manila and they were just getting fake Filipino and Indian followers to his page that wouldn't engage and wouldn't do anything, but he was paying them, I think $3,000 a month and then maybe $1,500 in ad spend. So he was getting a bunch of followers, but they just, they were terrible. They, they didn't engage, they didn't do anything. So I just asked him, I was like, I don't know anything about marketing, but I can do better than this, having no idea what marketing looks like, let alone internet marketing or social media marketing. And I think it took me maybe two weeks to get a decent grasp on it. And we took him from, I want to say 28,000 to maybe 166,000 followers. And maybe just within the first month and a half, I quickly realized like I had accidentally been preparing for this all throughout football and all throughout interviewing those people where the interviewing gave me a good perspective on human behavior. How do we interact with each other? How do we consume? How do we make the decisions that we make in our everyday lives? And then obviously on the other end as a marketer, how do I make that decision-making process for consumers as easy as possible? And so understanding people helped me out with that aspect of marketing. And then I think the football and the reaction and the quick real-time problem solving has also helped me because when something breaks, a funnel goes down, you know, an email doesn't go through, something happens, just being incredibly resourceful and figuring it out because you have real consequences if you don't. In football, it was my quarterback gets hit or we fumble the ball and give up some points. In marketing, it's we lost 10 grand or we lost, uh, I mean, I've seen clients, they've lost $150,000 with another company because there was a leak in their boat or a big problem that the company didn't catch for two or three weeks and these people are spending insane amounts of money. And so really, really quickly and succinctly being able to figure out problems, diagnose them and cure them and again, understanding how people interact with content and, and purchasing. What a story. You should definitely write a book. Uh, just based on those little the nuggets you shared so far, uh, in terms of your own story, it's just phenomenal what you shared. And then, of course, all these interviews you've done. I think there's definitely uh, not just one, but several books there in the making, uh, Kyrie. So I'm looking forward to reading those. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm still incredibly young. I'm 24 years old. so. I got, a, I got a lot more to learn. <laughs> so before we unpack your business, uh, uh, we love co uh, covering uh, trips as well. You can share with us some of the places you've been and any some of your travel highlights. Yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't been a whole lot of places, I'll say. We went to Oregon quite a bit when I was younger. Um, Lake Tahoe, near Nevada. 
Um, never been to Hawaii. We went to the Bahamas when I was in high school. Went to Mexico on a cruise. I've been to Costa Rica. I spent a week in Costa Rica. That was a pretty crazy story, actually. Um, never been to Europe, never been to Canada. Just kind of surrounding states from where I grew up for the most part. Um, but in, in Costa Rica, we actually had, I was supposed to be there for two weeks. I was visiting a friend and he and his family lived there. And a week into it, we got a phone call. He was flying back to San Diego to speak at an event. And uh, we got a phone call from his oldest. His oldest was 11. And he said a man just tried to abduct him and his two siblings from school, from in front of their private school in Costa Rica. And so me and their mom ran down to the school. Again, the friend was on an hour and a half long shuttle to the airport. Um, and then he had a five hour flight. Luckily, we caught him before he got on his flight, but he didn't have cell phone service until he got to the to the airport. So he was an hour, hour and a half late getting the news that somebody tried to abduct his children. So we ran down to the ran down to the school. And I guess one of the teacher's assistants had told us a man had driven up the taxis down there are regular cars. And so he drove up in some old Toyota and um, called the kids actually by name. So they knew enough information to know one that the father was going to be out of town and they knew the names, the name of the oldest child and one of he had uh, two younger twins. And they one of the guys got out of the car and said, hey, your mom and dad asked us to come pick you up and take you back to the house. Come with us. And one of the six year olds ran downstairs thinking, hey, mom and dad are going to be waiting for us. And the guy said they're going to be mad if you don't get in the car. And so not wanting to get in trouble, one of the kids runs down. I guess he saw some rope um, and some you know, other restraint devices in the back seat and ran immediately back upstairs and told the teacher. So thankfully, nothing insane happened, but we realized people had enough information about them that it wasn't safe to be there anymore. So we had to pack up their stuff that night. Again, they were living there for a year. I had only been there for a week. So we all had to plan last minute flights for the next morning. We took the next flight out the next morning. Um, packed up, I think it was like 26 bags full of their stuff from that house and left and never looked back. It was a real weird, interesting, short vacation. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah, that, that's a, a phenomenal story. Thank you for sharing that. We just actually were in Costa Rica mm -hmm. right before the Philippines. It was uh, amazing, amazing we part of the world. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Gorgeous in terms of the natural beauty, uh, the beaches, the Pura Vida, the lifestyle, the slots, and uh, all the animals. So uh, definitely a big advocate for travel in Costa Rica and uh, all of Latin America. Uh, so I'd love to cover a little bit more about your business, uh, Kyrie. Uh, so uh, tell us uh, about your entrepreneur journey. Uh, I, I, I have to hear from your uh, Facebook. It's pretty phenomenal. You spent over $2 million. Uh, you made over $32 million on ads in just two and a half years. Uh, and now, of course, you you know add accounts, uh, running them, optimizing them for other business owners. Uh, but let's share a little bit about the origin story of your own entrepreneur journey, uh, us as downs, the highs and the lows, the losing money and the making money, the depression and the happiness. Uh, tell us about your own journey as an entrepreneur. Wow, it's um, I guess as an entrepreneur as a whole, it it started right when I was eighteen when I came back home. Again, for six months, I didn't say anything to anybody about what had happened. And then I told my story and wrote a blog and started wanting to influence and impact other people in a positive way. So I guess you can say it started then. Um, 
But when I first got in, I mean, I was I was speaking. I worked in special education at the time. I was driving for both Lyft and Uber um, in San Francisco with the like ride sharing. Um, and then I just started marketing. And so I was working at what, five jobs. I was living in my ex-girlfriends. We were broken up at the time and I lived on her parents' property in her dad's old duck hunting trailer. And I used to go steal her grandparents' mobile Wi-Fi hotspot to create videos and upload them onto Facebook because I didn't have a cell phone service out there. <laughs> and so it, it kind of started off, I guess you could say incredibly humble beginnings. Um, had no idea what I was doing at first. I, all I knew was that I had to pay for rent and I had to pay for my car and I had to pay for food because I, I didn't live with my parents. Um, I moved out at 18 right after I moved home from college. And so I just had to figure things out. And again, I think that was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me is having not a whole lot of options and just saying either I figure it out or I'm, I'm out of luck. And I would have times where I had $17 in my bank account and two weeks until payday because we got paid monthly. Um, and it was before Lyft and Uber came out with like, you could cash out your money immediately. So they were only paying, I think every two weeks at that time as well. So it was just, I got into a bunch of weird tough spots where you just have to figure things out, but it, it helps us be a lot more resourceful, which I, I believe I would assume as a traveling entrepreneur or a digital nomad, that's a daily thing is figuring things out. Things that most other people just wouldn't have the energy or resources to do. Um, ended up making the decision early 2016 to move down here to Arizona. I had an opportunity to work with another company, another marketing company. Um, I only lasted about two months with them before I realized the ethics and the morals within that company, just I didn't align with them. Um, but what I got from it, and actually what I got from my whole entire entrepreneurial journey, because I had volunteered with um, a pretty high level guy in the marketing space at his live events. And just through the people I had met, I started my business. I just started reaching out to people I had met over the past three or four years and just said, hey, I've done this and I have a few results, but I think they've been good so far and I don't charge very much. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot of risk in letting me try out helping you guys out with, with online marketing. And so we kind of just naturally built a little bit. I was still worried at the end of every month whether I was going to be able to pay rent. Um, I was still with my old business partner at the time and we, we still were very much struggling with bills. We were having to take out loans, having to figure things out. Neither of us wanted to ask our parents for money because we're, we're young, but we made the decision to move to a new state. So we were trying to be grown men and figure it out at the time. And I mean, it was a humongous struggle. I don't think I made what I would call real money until, geez, last July, maybe last June. Um, and we just got a few projects on again from networking. I've realized my, my charisma and my personality has gotten me so many more projects than my actual metrics have done. Luckily, we have the metrics as well. Like, like you said, spent, I think, I want to say it's 2.3 million now that we've spent and we've generated just under 33 million now. And so it's great to have those large numbers, but I've realized my process of going through things and my process of understanding the human behavior has much more to do with why people want to work with me than the numbers themselves. The numbers are going to be there if everything else lines up. And so I think really, really honing in on that 
and also moving my focus away from the big, big projects to helping regular people who actually serve regular people was one of the biggest shifts that I've been able to do. I've been able to be a social media consultant for people. Um, I do done for you services as well. So just being able to kind of open up my, my box of tricks, but not really tricks. It's just understanding again, how people interact with themselves and with each other. It's just, it's paid off multiple times what I've put into it. As the saying goes, the struggle is real. And uh, one of the things I love outlining and uh, illustrating and alluding to on a podcast is the struggles of an entrepreneur. You typically hear the successes, the mm -hmm. money, the, the fame, okay, I bought a new car, a new house, but you don't uh, always hear about the, the journey, the struggles, the financial hardships. So I'm so glad you alluded to those about uh, stealing from your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, struggles. The more I share those struggles, the more people can identify and say, "Man, if he went or he or she went through those struggles, uh, I can too." So uh, we've covered a little bit of your struggles. Let's hear about your successes now. Uh, I alluded to that uh, the stat, the financial stat, uh, which is uh, impressive. Of course, tell us about that. Uh, break it down. Unpack that. What does it mean? Yeah. So again, there, there's. It looks great. Again. But most of that revenue is made off of two projects that I literally had dropped into my lap. So I don't, again, while it's important to talk about the struggle and not just the successes, it's also important to put into context what I'm doing. I, I don't want to make it seem like I've worked with 3,000 clients and generated $33 million. I've worked with more like 35, 40 clients and generated that much money, which to some people may be better, some people may be worse, but I think honesty is probably just the best way to go about it. Um, we had the opportunity to work with a an NBA team um, and help out with their advertising platforms while they were you know going through the regular season and and through the finals, and then um, worked with one of the biggest drug rehab facilities in Florida was another one. Um, we've worked with medium to large entrepreneurs, so in between anywhere between about one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in revenue up to about $5 million a year in revenue. I, those are pretty much like midstream who we work with for the most part, who can afford our services. And this is for done for you services, who can afford our monthly retainer and can also afford ad spend on top of it, but they're not so big that they just wanna outsource everything and not focus on people anymore. I, I wanted to kind of find a sweet spot where you're making good money so you can afford us, but you're also still focusing on the customer and not just your bottom line. Bottom line is very important. Making money is important. Making a return is important. But we want to focus more on people because I believe that it makes for a greater return. And so I, one of the best ones was a, uh, an educational company. They sold at a $5,000 price point um, different um, educational camps for kids. So like a biology camp, um space camp things like that and so they they only had one product they only had a five thousand dollar price point but they had their messaging so honed in we had their targeting so honed in that with them i think we spent a million maybe under a million dollars and generated 26 or 27 million just from that one project so again it's you take that one project and then you know, 34 to 39 other projects that only make up 
what was that five or six million of the rest of the revenue that I've done. So most of it was off that project, but again, that project still existed. So I think that it should, I, I think that it should be talked about because of the success and, and why they had the success was because they were focusing on people. But even down to, I've had clients who, my first client, that, that really good friend that I helped out with, he was only spending $2 a day on Facebook ads. We weren't working with a gigantic budget, but the process behind the budget, where the budget's going, how we, I call it trimming the fat on audience creation. You don't need these big gigantic interest targets anymore to find your people. What I try to teach people, especially like when I go through consulting, because they just buy it hourly, so I try to give them as much value as possible within that time, where we're literally building, whenever you talk about your customer avatar or like Russell Brunson will talk about like your dream 100, when we're building that person, I want to build them on Facebook's audience creation platform. Whether you have previous clients or not, and we can create you know, a lookalike or a custom audience, even with cold traffic, I want to be able to build your perfect client on there. And I just got obsessed with being able to build people's perfect client, not just based on interests, not just demographics, but their spending habits, their behaviors, their income, what they like, what they don't like. I'll create seven different layers of targeting where they have to literally ma match up with this and this and that seven layers deep. And I'll still have audiences of 500,000 to 2 million people because we're finding the right people that we're looking for. And I would say that's been the biggest success and the biggest value I've been able to add to people is understanding here's exactly who we're speaking to. Nobody else matters at this point. I don't want to target just Tony Robbins audience and talk about motivation. It doesn't work like that anymore. You're going to pay way too much for your ads. It's just not going to work. What we have to do is hone in on who are you speaking to and then we go find them and serve them in the best way possible. That's definitely the, the best approach there, figuring out your avatar. Uh, for those of uh, you don't know, it's the ideal client, that perfect customer, figuring out the demographic graphics psychographic what keeps them up is worries insecurities doubts etc uh, so I'm curious to know what are your tips for uh, ads because a lot of people do ads and lose a lot of money like ads don't work and mm -hmm. there are other people like you who are killing it they're like ads are the best thing in the history of marketing uh, mm -hmm. so and this is of course everything in between uh, so what do you feel are your strategies that have ha caused you uh, to uh, you know, obviously be successful at Facebook ad marketing. Yeah, I, I'd say um, what I guess I should start off also. What made us successful at first is also not what makes us successful now. I'm not getting you know a quarter of a penny for page likes anymore. I'm not getting clicks for three cents. So we've had to shift. I would say nowadays. Some some of the biggest tips I can give one is live video, especially if you're a traveler because people love living vicariously through you We want to know what Manila looks like in the evening when the sun's setting over the ocean We want to know, you know what Panama looks like where you show the sun rising on one side and the sun setting on the other We want to be able to right. experience the things through you. That's so why I'd say establishing some sort of envy from your client and not necessarily being braggadocious, not doing like a Ty Lopez, I'm gonna show you my Lamborghini, but giving them something to aspire to, saying that essentially if you work with me or you subconsciously want them to think, 
if I do what this person is telling me or, or if I buy their product or if I trust them with their course, my life is going to look a little bit more like theirs. And so we want you to be able to truthfully and honestly create that understanding, again, subconsciously for your client. We want them to think, okay, if I take advantage of whatever they're offering me right now, I'm going to get a little bit closer to the life that they're able to live. I'd say being able to do that organically with content will help your ads a lot. Again, and Facebook and Instagram, and I guess every other platform as well, they rank certain types of content differently. And it's much more dependent, your ads are now much more dependent on your original content or your organic content than ever before. Um, live video is number one, by far. Live video is taken into account as far as who's engaging in it more than any other content type. So I tell people, do one live video a day, whether it's a three minute check-in in the evenings or a good morning motivational something, a few minutes up to an hour, half hour, however long you'd like to do it. Um, recorded video is second. Recorded video, you can come out with you know your weekly whatever or even daily posting that type of video content. Images is number three. Images is, I think are just as important. If you're doing a podcast like this, like I'm gonna ask, um, after I'm done with this podcast right now, I'm gonna ask for the audio to the podcast. I'm gonna throw it in and get a transcription and I'm gonna have my assistant then pull some of my quotes that I don't even know I'm saying right now because I'm in the moment. I'm gonna have my assistant pull some quotes that I've said in this interview. I'm gonna put them on a nice background, maybe a landscape people really enjoy, maybe a sunset in Manila, because it'll, it'll have some significance to the podcast. Um, and I'm gonna put it up on my Facebook and I'll put two, three, four of them up a day just on my feed. I'll use a schedule like meedgar.com or Hootsuite, um, Sprout Social, things like that just to have a consistent stream of content, have a consistent stream of engagement on your page, because that's going to then be taken into account when you're running ads and drive your ad cost down. So I'd say we're very, very much focused. Um, I don't know if anybody was watching like the Zuckerberg, you know, speaking in front of Congress and everything. They're now much more focused on the consumer, which they kind of always have been, but your organic content I think is what's gonna keep your ads alive. I think being able to give away freely is going to help you sell better, which may be a little bit more counterintuitive, but at the same time, realize it's also gonna be removing your competition who's not choosing to post organic content. Anybody who's in your same niche, who's not taking advantage of this and saying, how do I need to show up for these people? Anybody who's not asking themselves that question and actually showing up for their clients will be paying 10, 20 times as much for their ads as you will be just because you're taking that little step and giving a tip of your hat to your audience and saying, I acknowledge you, I understand you exist, and I wanna serve you in the way that you need to be served. Awesome, awesome, great uh, tips there. Uh, definitely optimizing and maximizing uh, ad usage, and of course, uh, 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 offering all that organic content as well. Uh, so, uh, Kyrie, I'm curious to know, what does the future hold for you in terms of your business? your travels, your life. Uh, uh, give us a little bit of the uh, forecast for the future. Uh, for the future, oh my gosh. Uh, well, in the future, I will sell 40% of my company and I will work almost exclusively for free, providing free value and content for people. That's, I would say, maybe a 10 to 12 year goal of mine from now. I wanna do that by my mid thirties. Um, still capture about 60% of the revenue from my 
um, from my advertising agency. So I'll have other ad agents underneath me. We'll still be running projects for small entrepreneurs all the way up to big corporations. I want to have, I would assume maybe like eight to 10 of my own personal clients who pay a, a really high ticket premium price to work with me personally. And everything else, all of my video content, I'll go travel around the world and speak for free. Um, I already do that for any true nonprofit organization. So any like foster homes or children's groups, high schools, middle schools, things like that. I don't charge anything except for travel and lodging for those. And I would just want to do that on a, on a much bigger scale. I want to teach maybe grassroots entrepreneurship in colleges and high schools around the country. I, I don't know what direction it goes in yet, but eventually it's taking a massive step back from the tactical clicking through ads and doing much more of, I want to give free value without expecting anything from you guys in return. I love it. And I think of myself as that way in a podcaster. I'm not always making uh, tons of money as a podcaster. I get, uh, you know, affiliate sales, get some sponsors, but it's uh, adding value, value, value. And people are like, wow, this freaky guy is uh, bringing all these interviews together. And uh, he really knows his stuff. He's traveling the world. Well, let me hire him for his coaching. Let me figure out his products and services. So I think you're on the right, uh, uh, you know, uh, way of thinking there in terms of that value-based marketing, uh, that educational-based marketing. Uh, so yeah. in closing, I'm curious to know what advice you do an aspiring new entrepreneur. You've obviously you've been doing this for several years now. You've had your roller coaster of entrepreneurship like I have and like every entrepreneur has. Mm -hmm. uh, what tip to that person who's listening, watching it right now, who's thinking or just started as an entrepreneur or into the marketer? Yeah. I'd say the biggest one is do the things that other people aren't willing to. Uh, things like giving away your service for free for bigger clients in order to get numbers from them. If you gain success with a larger client, even if you don't charge them on the front end, it's going to, it's going to help you out much more on the back end. Um, being able to give up your time, not for money at first, and, and to work insane hours. When I was working those five jobs, I was maybe sleeping three hours a night, maybe, if I was lucky. And there were some times where I would, so for Lyft and Uber, I was allowed to drive for 14 hours at a time and I had to take a six hour break. So they would call that, you know, so that they're not overworking you or allowing you to work too much for you to sleep. I wouldn't sleep. <laughs> I would do my 14 hours of driving and I'd go sit at Starbucks for six hours working on my marketing or doing whatever else. And then I'd go right back to driving. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It's not something I would prescribe to other people. I think it was my willingness to go that far that has contributed a lot to where I'm at right now. It's not necessarily the decision to, to not sleep, but it was my willingness to go as far as it took in order to get to where I want to be. I, I would say that's the number one thing. And then teaching resourcefulness, understanding how to be resourceful and just figure things out that other people would give up on. I think a lot of the projects that I've taken on are because they've hired four or five different marketing companies who couldn't figure it out. And they come with me and say, you know, I completely understand if you don't want to work with us, you know, nobody's been able to figure this out before. And immediately my first reaction is, yep, I'll do it. Cause I'll, I'll, I know that I'm going to put in enough work and more work than the other teams did to figure out at least a few pieces of it. it is, even if we don't get a, a complete success, I know that I'm willing to go further than most to get whatever we can out of it, to squeeze whatever we can out of it. 
do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Don't give up. I, I hear these uh, uh, over and over. And my team's so simple. Oh, yeah, do whatever it takes. Of course you don't give up. But this is exactly what people do the opposite of. Most people don't do whatever it takes. They do the minimum. Most people give up right before the success is about to hit. The simplest things are actually the most powerful. So I'm glad you brought up these uh, re really these strong uh, life uh, principles and, of course, the business principles, too. Yeah. And it's uh, so in close, uh, Kyrie, you've been very, very well. I, I love you on this podcast and with all of our listeners and viewers. Uh, people, I think, are going to really resonate with this interview, and they might want to take you up on your services in terms of hiring you for Facebook and consulting. Um, how can they do that? Uh, what's your website, social media? How can they connect? Um, actually, anybody who wants to work with me, I, I'd like to just give you some personal free value first. So I would say email me. Um, I don't want to talk about what I offer right now or, or pitch any services. Just um, email me and ask me a question. Ask me a direct question from yourself having to do with social media marketing or having to do with my story or something on this podcast. Let me give you something first before I ask of you um, and see if we even make a connection in that way as far as business. I, I want to help people out on a personal level first. So uh, my email is my first name and my last name, Kyrie Oliver, 94, the number nine, the number four, at gmail.com or Kyrie Oliver on any social media platforms, at Kyrie Oliver or at Kyrie Oliver. Yeah, it's just at Kyrie Oliver on anything. Um, but yeah, let's have a personal conversation first before we hop into business. Anybody listening to this? Personal is business, business is personal, as I say, and you've definitely had a lot of value already, so I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be uh, taking it off. Or I'll have the link below uh, so people can uh, uh, you know, email Kyrie and check out his social media. And, uh, you know, he's offering that free uh, call and the free, um, you know, uh, response to any questions. So if you have a question about social media, ad marketing, even his own uh, backstory and his entrepreneurial journey, definitely reach out. As you can tell on this interview, definitely uh, giving back and making a difference. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, giving back and making a difference on our podcast here today. And I look forward to connecting again. And thanks for your time and all of your insights here today. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome, and uh, thank you, everyone, for lending us your eyes and your ears on YouTube, iTunes, and all the different podcast directories. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and uh, leave us a rating review. That definitely helps us uh, move up in the iTunes ranking. Also on YouTube, we have all of our videos. Uh, subscribe there. And follow all of our uh, uh, amazing guests as well, and follow us as well as we travel around. On the world, we're daddyblogger.com. So thanks everyone and happy travels and happy entrepreneurship.